into the arena, where we will enter into current issues and events of the day in an effort to discuss and debate them. The topics will range from theology to politics to pop culture to sports and more. We may not always agree with each other, and you may not always agree with us, but our hope is that you will be challenged to think through these matters along with us, and that you will be edified and encouraged as we step into the arena. All right. Well, welcome back to the Arena Podcast. Uh, glad to have you here. I'm Bryce Ledkamin, along with my co-host, the Right Reverend Matthew Martins. You, I think you say that almost every time. <laughs> because it's funny. I'm, yeah, you're a jerk. <laughs> you're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today, we are walking through a topic uh, that has been requested. Uh, and it's one that's pertinent to some, and others are going to be like, I don't understand it. Uh, which is fine. And that is, we are talking about how competitive a Christian should be in sports. Yep. I, I think it's right off the hop, we want to make it clear that if you're listening to this and go, ah, I'm going to tune out because this doesn't apply to me, be careful because if, if you're a parent or even a grandparent, mm-hmm. there are there are implications for you in in how you teach your children about how to be a Christian in sports and how to conduct themselves, and even as how you conduct yourself when you're watching your kids or your grandkids at a sporting event. Mm-hmm. There, there, this this plays itself out in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So um, I, I'd encourage you to keep tuning in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. This hopefully will be able to hit the hearts of most uh, who like to listen to this. So uh, before we get into just some of the things that we have written down, uh, what was your life? I'm just going to throw you on the spot. You had no yeah. idea I was going to ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, what was your life like growing up because i know you grew up playing sports pretty mm-hmm. competitive fast pitch fastball mm-hmm. um and stuff like that what was your experience playing growing up uh and stuff yeah. like that just kind of walk walk us through that for a moment yeah um so yeah my dad was a good ball player back when he was young and baseball was his thing particularly fastball was his thing and i mean i don't know people are here Fastball's not much of a thing anymore. Girls fastball. But yep. back in the day when I was a kid, boys fastball was as popular as girls fastball, mm-hmm. at least in Manitoba. So, um, so that, yeah. So we, I grew up playing ball. My dad was, uh, he, he tried to instill in me good baseball habits and all those things. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, so then once I got into sports, uh, I helped. I was left-handed, and, and I could ah, throw yes. the ball reasonably hard back then, and now I can't. Uh, but, <laughs> I know, I've seen you. <laughs> I know, it's like a wet noodle now, but back in the day, I actually could throw the ball with some velocity and, and, and reasonably accurate, so then the coaches were like, hey, you're left-handed, and you can throw hard and accurate, so could you pitch? So I got, got into pitching, and um, and so I kind of you know went up the rank, so to speak, and... Um, and I, I will say, in all honesty, that really became a big part of my identity when I was mm. teenager, um, and and then into even my young early twenties, probably. Although it was it was around, uh, I was around uh, eight. Actually, I was eight, seventeen, eighteen when I threw my arm out, and I never could throw a ball hard ever after that. Like that, that was it for me. Um, so that, that was, I was hard, I'll be honest, uh, cause I had been able to throw a ball with great velocity and great accuracy. And then suddenly I couldn't, hmm. and, 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 and it's never come back. Uh, I'm really hoping one of these days it will, but it, it won't just magically uh, one day you'll <laughs> be playing when I'm short when stuff. I hit 50 all of a sudden I can throw again. <laughs> it's uh, not, I, I don't, not how I don't think that's coming. <laughs> um, so that was hard, but, um, but my, my parents and, and, uh, siblings would often come watch my games 
And, uh, and they were some, oftentimes if my siblings are listening to this, you know, this is right. Uh, often the loudest cheers there. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes, you know, embarrassingly. So is that your, is that your family? Nope. No, I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> That's some other weird Martin's family, <laughs> but, uh, but it was great. I had the support of my family and it was really good, but it was definitely a big part of our life. And, uh, I played rec hockey starting from about, well, we had a church team. So I started playing rec hockey around 14. Oh, wow. Uh, with our church team. So playing with men mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. By you know, I, I have a pretty limited role when you're that young. Uh, but got into it more and more. And um, and that was a lot of fun. And got to see all kinds of sides of different people. We had a lot of church teams in our little league. Just a very highly churched area. Yep. And uh, it was amazing. Amazing. We had, a, we had a guy that was working for Youth for Christ on one of the other teams. Mm-hmm. And he was known league-wide amongst the unsaved guys and everyone as the punching preacher. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good moniker he, or not. Boy, he had a hot temper and would, <laughs> you know, if things didn't go his way, he would start beaking off. And then he would start, like, hammering guys, dirty, cheap shots. And uh, so I remember as a, as a young teenager, uh, young Christian, looking at this and thinking to myself, I don't, this doesn't square with with how a Christian should be in sports, but I didn't know how a Christian should be in sports. Maybe, maybe we should be super competitive and, and right. to the point of anger. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Um, but I remember thinking this, something seems off about this. And uh, anyways, that, 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 that's, that's been kind of my history. And then, yeah, now, I mean, I play very, very recreational <laughs> sports. <laughs> the quality of my ability lends me lends itself to being extremely recreational. Uh, but it's still fun and uh, still enjoy it. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's in a nutshell. I don't know. How about you? Yeah. Uh, sports, big thing growing up uh, constantly. Uh, baseball primarily. Summers were full of baseball. Uh, and so kind of spent almost every day of the week on the ball diamond for us. Uh, my brother was active in sports as well. So mom and dad were constantly kind of trying to balance where we're going, how we're getting there, mm-hmm. those types of things. They were very thankful when we could actually drive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do remember uh, I never had the best attitude when it comes to sports. Mm. Um, and that was rough. Like my, I'm very competitive. Really? I didn't know. Yeah. I'm you. not sure if you were. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, embar- honest, embarrassingly so sometimes. Mm. Um, and so growing up, um, I, uh, I had to write lines um, on, <laughs> on paper when I did something stupid after a ball game. And, uh, from your coach or from your parents? No, from my parents. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so like, I, I love my mom and dad, and uh, I know my dad's listening to this. So one of the things that made, they made me do is every time I, my competitiveness turned its head and came out in anger uh whatever i did i had to go home and i had to write on a lined piece of paper 400 times i will not throw my bat i will not throw my bat i will not throw my bat i will not yell at the umpire i will not yell at the umpire and then along comes jose bautista and he throws his bat yeah i'm like what i I was the jose (laughs) you've been taught wrong all this time (laughs) what's wrong with this that dude makes millions he chucks his bat but uh never had a good attitude um if we lost it was everyone else's fault but mine Mm. like it was never my fault right um so that that took a lot and i didn't become a believer until i was 16 
Um, but then baseball was done. I realized my baseball playing days are over. But we ended up playing slow pitch in Saskatoon. Uh, and we had a church league. And I had, I remember one year I played church league ball, uh, slow pitch, and I also played in just a men's beer league team. Uh, and I think when it started to strike me was how not different these two leagues are. Mm. Uh, and that was sad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the, the, the church team is yelling and fighting with the umpires and fighting with each other just as much as the men's beer league team is. That was a, like a men's competitive team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when there's no difference between these two teams and one claims Christ and one doesn't claim Christ, mm-hmm. uh, there's an issue there. And so I realized that. But the problem for me was I was definitely still part of that, like, let's argue with umpires and let's mm-hmm. fight and let's, you know, you know, the Blue Jays scouts are sitting in our stands. They're, they, they will see me. <laughs> Looking for slow pitch players. <laughs> Looking for slow pitch players who are <laughs> 25 years old. So... Yeah, it uh, that that sports and competitiveness definitely marked my life. Didn't um, it, I? Think, I seem to remember you telling this story. That, <laughs> I've told you lots of stories. Yeah, Be careful. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if your I know your dad listens to this. I don't know if your mom does too. But uh, I, I seem to remember a story about your mom buying you a particular book with a particular <laughs> title. Is this is this correct? <laughs> that is correct. Uh, <laughs> my mom got me a small little book. Uh, and it's called, you're not that good to get that mad. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks mom. <laughs> uh, cause she could see obviously. And that book is written by, Oh, I think it's John Daly. It's John Daly or Payne Stewart. Maybe Payne Stewart. I can't remember. I can't remember. Anyways, it was yeah. about uh, a professional golfer and he was golfing with a buddy and his buddy shanked a shot and wrapped his nine iron around a tree. <laughs> and this guy drove up to him and said, dude, you are not that good to get that mad. Yeah. And uh, from there, he wrote a book and yeah. and all those things. And so mom told me that and gave me that book. And yeah, it um, it's humbling to say. And, and I think now kind of bring it down uh, into some more of the details or whatever we want to talk about. Uh, it still rears its ugly head, mm. at least for me. Not me too, um, for sure. Yeah. You know. And so that's such a, it's actually a really good question. How competitive should, mm-hmm. should a Christian, is it okay for a Christian to be competitive? Mm-hmm. Um, and to what kind of what point or what, mm-hmm. what's that line? So yeah, I guess this, this, I wrote down the specific question that the, that the question okay. asker had, uh, it, it was this in both competitive sports and in rec sports, mm. what is the balance for the believer of being humble and at the same time competitive? Okay. Um, so that, which is, yeah, that's what we're talking yeah. about. That, that where's the line. Yeah. And, and that's a tough one because it's easy for us to sit here and talk about this and you're going to be listening to this wherever you are. And it's one thing to nod our heads and go, yeah, 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 that's right. But in the heat of the moment, mm-hmm. when, when you're in it, can you, uh, exercise self-control mm-hmm when it matters and not it's going from head knowledge to actual practical application in the moment when it when the heat is on and the other team you're playing is laughing in your face or mm-hmm. whatever you know mm-hmm. uh can you take what we're about to look at here and actually apply it yeah um, so yeah. so let's let's go let's go this let's take it from a, a higher up view and yeah. then kind of start to narrow it down sure. so Let's go, let's talk about first, like, professional athletes. Okay. Those who would claim to be believers, 
Let's talk about their conduct, uh, whether we would say it's good or bad or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I got a couple of uh, people, athletes who would claim to be believers. Yeah. Uh, and what do we know about them in the heat of the moment? Yeah. Being competitive. Uh, so the first one I'll throw out there is Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I think he's probably one of the more outspoken. When you hear Tim Tebow, you think Christian. Yeah. Right. You don't yeah. actually. F- Lots of people probably won't think football player. They'll think Tebowing, mm-hmm. Christian, mm-hmm. religious nut, whatever they're going to think. Yeah. Poor quarterback. Poor, yeah. Awful quarterback. <laughs> Should have played in the CFL or become a tight end. Yeah. But that's he tried to with the Jets, and then he got cut. <laughs> yeah, but, that's but what you see, I would argue, with a Tim Tebow is you absolutely see a competitive nature. Mm-hmm. You don't win the Heisman mm-hmm. without being a competitive yeah. guy. That drive, that desire to win all the time. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, I've never once, I haven't watched all of his game tape, Mm -hmm. but I've never once seen him not be in control when things don't go his way. Right. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Your thoughts? He's he's got a, yeah, he does have a a testimony amongst even his fellow teammates and and athletes uh, at the football level, uh, at the various football levels, like NFL and then Mm -hmm. also NCAA. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, of being a consistent, faithful believer, mm-hmm. and 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 he's not blown that at any moment in yeah. the heat of the moment. From everything I've heard about him, uh, he gets mocked and yep. whatever else yep. a, a lot, and yet there is nothing that we could point to that would uh, that would bring reproach on the name of Christ, right? Uh, that I've seen. Uh, so yeah, you, you can you can mock his playing as I just did all the uh, you know all day long, <laughs> but his his Christian testimony has remained pretty pretty steady. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, encouraged by him that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kurt Warner. I like Kurt Warner. Why? Uh, I like I like the backstory. That, uh, the American underdog. Yeah. Yeah. Like his, um, you know, kind of coming up from nowhere overlooked by everyone had to learn how to play the game the right way mm-hmm. go to the, the arena football league and just kind of never gives up uh marries a girl who has uh kids one kid with some special mm-hmm. needs and and yeah just loves them and with the love of jesus and um and then yeah it goes on of course wins the super bowl become it's they're considered the greatest what was it the greatest underdog team in history to win the super bowl mm-hmm. um yeah an amazing story um and again i i same thing i haven't watched every piece of film on the guy but i have seen a pretty consistent faithful christian witness from him competitive you you don't get to be a professional athlete without mm-hmm. having a competitive burning desire to win in you it absolutely just, you just, that just yeah. doesn't happen so the competitiveness well, I think what we're saying, the competitiveness in the Christian is not the not a bad thing. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm going to read some scripture here later. I'm sure yeah. you have it oh, too. Yeah, I got a few, yeah. That, that speaks to that. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay to be competitive. Absolutely. Uh, but but harnessing that uh, with the, the, I don't know, the, uh, the being mindful of the fact that you're a representative of Christ mm-hmm. while being competitive. Mm-hmm. And, there are, and clearly these guys that you're just pointing out, have shown that you can do that mm-hmm. and uh, and do it at the highest level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and so he's and he won at the highest level. Yeah. Like Tim Tebow never did. Yeah, but he won at the highest level and maintained a, a, a pretty again a pretty faithful yeah. Christian testimony. Yeah. yeah. So I'll throw one more at you. Yeah. 
Steph Curry. Steph. <laughs> Claims de- he's got the Philippians 4.13. <laughs> I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. He's got that on his shoes, on his whatever. Um, claims to be a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, on a side note, his favorite preacher is T.D. Jakes. So that yeah, kind of tells you where he would stand. Immediately but, there's a crack there. Yeah, yeah, But he would claim Christ is Lord. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, only the Lord knows uh, his heart truly. Right. I, I, I can't speak yeah. to that. Uh, I, I am. He would differ for me that the two previous guys you mentioned, I think, have had a pretty steadfast, faithful testimony. Mm-hmm. Whereas he, I have struggled with. Um, mm-hmm. I have seen him act in some ways that are not becoming of Christ, yeah. on, both on on the court and even some of the things you see in social media a little bit now and again too. I've I'm scratched my head a little bit. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember but watching. No question, super competitive. Oh, yeah. Like, now you've got competitive and a guy who would claim to be a follower of Christ. So, and like you said, I have yeah. no idea if he is or not. Yeah. I don't know the guy from a hole in the ground. But if you claim Christ, the Bible would put spe- certain expectations on how you conduct yourself. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen from Steph Curry is. Um, a ton of cursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember watching in one of the playoffs. This was the year the Raptors won. The only Toronto team to ever do it. Seems like <laughs> we're not talking about that. We're and still ever no, will. We're still sensitive. <laughs> uh, but I remember watching him, and a call went not against him mm-hmm. or whatever. And he looked at the ref. He swore, and he like chucked his mouth guard at him mm-hmm. at the ref. I'm mm-hmm. like. So for somebody who's just competitive, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, that's poor conduct mm-hmm. for anybody. Yeah. But especially for the one who would claim Christ, you've now, yeah, you've, you've lost that. Yeah. You've lost that testimony of holding fast to Christ mm-hmm. because you've lost control of your anger yeah. or what have you. And so that, that for me, that's where I, I struggle with that. I, I do want to temper <laughs> Pardon the pun. Uh-huh. I, I do want to temper this a little bit with uh, Peter and David and all of these people who were clearly followers of Christ, mm-hmm. who in the heat of the moment made some glaring errors. Oh, oh absolutely. So, I'm not. Uh, I think this conversation is not. Is he a believer? Right. I'm just saying. I think you see a difference between when the competitiveness. Yeah. Uh, I think crosses a line because I think yeah. that's what we're trying to find. Yeah, here. yeah, for sure. Yeah, like. Steph Curry could absolutely be a born-again believer and have lost that temper, and that yeah. happens, and yeah. forgiveness yeah. and all those things. But what should it look like? What versus, should it look yeah. like? And I think that's yeah. the question. Yeah. Where's that line? Yeah. And I think right. I would argue in this context, yeah. Steph Curry crossed that line. Yeah. Throwing mouth guards, swearing at refs, yeah. what have you. That's, the, yeah. that's what we're discussing. We're yeah. not discussing whether or not he's actually a believer. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So I'll throw three more at you right. uh, from Canada's sport because I'm Canadian. The good, the good sport. The you know, and I don't care what people say. It's not lacrosse. It's <laughs> hockey. Well, no, Canada has officially now two national sports, and one of them is hockey. It should just be hockey, but You're whatever. Right. I, nobody uh, cares about lacrosse. So three, uh, and I'll start with one because you know we're recording this near Calgary. So I'm going to start with the <laughs> logical one, and that's Jerome McGinley. Uh So back in 2004, when they went on their big cup run, uh, uh, between the semifinals and finals, Peter Mansbridge sat down. And did a one-hour, uh, like, kind of interview with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting, wide-ranging. But in the course of it, Peter Mansbridge asked him about his faith. 
And, uh, and he said, yeah, like my mom was, uh, his mom Muslim, I believe it is. Uh, but his dad's a Christian and, and that was where his influence came from. And, uh, and then in 2017, when he was with Colorado at this point, he did uh, an interview with uh, CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, mm. and, uh, and he said this, quote, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago, that he died for us, and that he is there for us. I know that I can lean on him, and I do. On the ice, it's about my preparation. I pray to God daily, and then I do the best that I can, and I go on the ice and give it my all. Right? Jerome McGinley has pretty, uh, you know, multiple times not shied away from talking about the fact that he is a Christian. And, uh, and that he believes in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, which is great. Mm-hmm. What we've seen on the ice, though, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, you talk about competitive. I don't know if I have, with my eyes, seen anybody. Well, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say anybody. Jonathan Taves comes to mind, too. Yep. There are guys that just, you, you see it in their eyes. They just burn mm-hmm. with competitiveness. And he's one of those guys. And we all, if you've watched any Jerome McGinley hockey, you know that guy will chuck him with with anyone. He'll fight. He oh, will, that 2004 when he fought LeCavalier. Yeah, it was quite something. So good. He will drag guys. He'll carry guys on his back to the net. Or not, I guess not anymore. He's retired now. But uh, but he would curse and swear and, mm-hmm. and get right angry. Um, and yet off the ice was a complete gentleman. All those things that you mm-hmm. hear about. So, yeah, competitive, but I think crossed the line. On mm-hmm. many, many, many mm-hmm. occasions, mm-hmm. Uh, seemingly, and I, and maybe it's poorly taught. Maybe he, maybe he wasn't taught, uh, discipled in right. terms of how a Christian conducts himself at all times. I, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> right. Um, another guy I'll throw at you is Shane Doan. Ah. What do you know about Shane Doan? Shane Doan uh, played for the Arizona Coyotes. Poor guy. Poor, <laughs> rough for his whole career. Yeah. So, a <laughs> loyalty. Well, to be yeah, the, the same organization his whole yes. career. Yeah, he started uh, better because it was Winnipeg then. Ah, yes. Yeah, how's Winnipeg now? They're great. <laughs> Shut it. Okay. <laughs> uh, what honestly comes to Shane Doan? A, a he has also been very outspoken about his faith in the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and that was very evident when you watched him play. Um. Obviously, once again, you're in the NHL. You're not. You're competitive. Mm-hmm. You hate losing. All of that. Uh, but everything that I've seen from Shane Doan mm-hmm. is you could put kind of he, him in that same category as Kurt Warner, Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. that guy who's ultra competitive and yet is able to have the self control when things don't go his when yeah. things are not going well. Yeah. Um, if I'm if I remember correctly, it was him who is. His teammates would always try to get him to swear. Yeah, they'd be like, "Hey, just just drop an f bomb, just mm-hmm. just do this," and he'd be like, "No," mm-hmm. like he would continue to to uphold yeah. righteousness and holiness, even when his own teammates are like, "Man, just let one go, just yeah. just let it happen," and he'd be like, "No." Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so I think there you go, competitive and yet yeah, controlled and understanding that there's something bigger than the game of hockey. Yeah. For sure, I he was yeah he's raised here in Alberta. His family uh, owns and operates the Circle Square Ranch Camp in Central Alberta uh, here, uh, and uh, yeah. So I remember <laughs> for all of you Flames and Oilers fans, you'll know this name when he was with the Arizona Coyotes and they had one run to the semifinals during his time there. The goaltender <laughs> for the Arizona Coyotes at that time was Mike Smith. <laughs> 
And there was one particular incident. I remember it like yesterday. Smith, shockingly, came way out of his net. What? Not Smith. Came, but up the middle. Like the ice, it was one of those plays where uh, the puck was kind of in that no man's land. And he was rushing up. Because if he didn't, the the, uh, the player from the other team was going to get a breakaway. Okay. So he, he came up to try to play it. And he did. And the guy bowled him over. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like 40 feet out of his net. <laughs> And guys, it's a fair game at that yeah, point. Yeah, and they both kind of came to the puck at the same time, and the guy bowled him over. And Smith, of course, in typical fashion, loses his marbles, and he and he's thinking there should be a penalty, and the ref doesn't call a penalty. And Shane Doan's on the ice, and he also thinks it should have been a penalty. And so Shane Doan, he's the captain. Mm-hmm. He goes to the ref. I remembered vividly, and he was heated, saying, "You need to call a penalty here." Mm-hmm. Mike Smith is interviewed afterwards because he's all part of the same scrum. And Mike Smith, apparently, he was one of the leaders in trying to get Shane Doan to swear. Hmm. And Mike Smith said, I was expecting, if ever there was a time that, <laughs> for, him, that to drop for him to swear, this was it. It was semifinals. We have a chance to go to the cup finals. And this was a pivotal turning point moment. And I was like, come on, Shane. Come on, just drop one. Mm-hmm. And even then, he didn't. He's, he, he argued about the call, but he did not use any bad language. Mm-hmm. And so I remember Smith being just stunned by it. Like, how do you not? Is kind right. of what he was thinking. Right. And I remember listening to that afterwards and thinking about that is an amazing thing. Mm. At, the, at the, high, the, the most heat you could probably experience. Yeah. And he still maintained. And his, his teammates all recognized he still maintained his integrity. Yeah. Uh, so uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike Gartner is the last one I'll throw at you. There you, you go. No, I don't, I don't, uh, Mike Gartner, A, super fast on skates. Blazing fast. Uh, that's honestly all, all I really know about Mike Gartner. He was before yeah. my time because yeah. I'm only 35. Yeah, you're a young whippersnapper. <laughs> so when people talk about the great goal scorers of the game, of course, Ovechkin and all these things come to mind. Yeah. One of the greatest goal scorers in the game ever was Mike Gardner. Hmm. And people don't talk about him. They talk about Wayne Gretzky. They talk about Alex Ovechkin. They talk about Yarmer Yager. Yarmer Yager, while a good goal scorer, it took him forever to get there because he just played so long. Wow, he's 58 years old or whatever he is now. Mike Gardner was, at the time when he scored his 700th goal, he was only the fifth player in history to do that. Like, he was a prolific goal scorer. Hmm. It wasn't just that he could skate fast. Mm-hmm. He could do things with the puck at that speed. He, he was the kind of the forerunner to McDavid. Um, <laughs> and, and for the longest time, it took generations before anyone could beat him. You know, you know that all-star game, the mm-hmm. fastest skater? Yep. It took... I, Didn't it take McDavid? Yeah, it was. Or did for, someone beat him ever before someone could beat Mike Gartner's record? Yeah, uh, and these were on you know the new technology, yeah, new yeah. skates, all these things. He was on the old skates, and he still was faster than anybody. That's he crazy. was one of the greatest players in the game at his time. Mm-hmm. Um, he came to faith in Christ Jesus uh, in his first NHL season <laughs> by the test by the witness of one of his fellow teammates. He uh, he had heard, he'd grown up going to Sunday school, et cetera, et cetera. But he hadn't, you know, just kind of was indifferent, he said, yeah. to the gospel. And then one of his teammates, uh, they were on a on a plane ride to the next city. And this guy had been witnessing to him throughout the early part of the season. And he had said to him, Mike, if this plane goes down, are you going to heaven? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And Mike said that was the thing that just, 
he'd never thought of was mortality, mm. but they're flying all over the planet all the time. Yeah. And it just struck him that he wasn't sure. And so he came to faith in Christ. And again, I, I, who knows? I don't know what goes on, but went on behind all the closed doors. But right. he had a, a testimony in the in the Christian or in the community, not even just the Christian community, of being the consummate professional, of being a kind-hearted teammate, of always even those those because every team has players that are likable and then not likable. Correct. But he was the guy apparently who, no matter who the teammate was, he was he was kind and and courteous mm-hmm. and uh, give the shirt off your back. So uh, it seemed like, and but yet competitive. You don't score 700 goals in the NHL yeah. without being competitive. Yeah. Um, so he was competitive yeah. and yet seemed to carry a very pretty faithful witness. Yeah. So these are some professional athletes we're looking at here. Some who carried their witness really effectively, were super competitive, yeah. and yet were able to maintain a Christian ethic and standard and humility mm-hmm. that was uh, noticeable. Yeah. And then others who struggled. Um, and, and we're just listing a few here. We yeah. could go on and on. We but. could go on and on and on, but for the sake of time. So let's take it from there. So I think we've established the reality that being competitive is, I don't think, a bad thing. Yeah. Can, can I read a verse about that? Maybe you've already got this verse. No, go ahead. Give her. Because, uh, yeah, being competitive is, is okay, and it's even biblically, I would say, defensible. We see it in 1 Corinthians 9. So Paul's talking about running the Christian race. Yeah. And he says uh, in in chapter 9, uh, verse 24 and 25, he says, Do you not know that in a race all, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's saying, like, athletes compete. They don't compete to win second place. They compete to try to win first place. Yeah. You, you compete so as to win. Yes. And and we should compete so as to win in the Christian life, but for a way bigger prize. Yes. Uh, but it, it is, suffice it to say, we should, when we're playing, we should play to win. Mm-hmm. Um, there should be competitiveness yeah. to us. Yeah. Uh, that, within, within reason. Within reason. And well, we'll get and, to that. And that's the thing. Like, <laughs> comp- I don't understand the moniker of I'm just playing to lose or yeah everyone gets a prize everyone gets a prize i'm like that's garbage yeah um and yet so paul you you read uh first corinthians i'll i'll read first corinthians 10 mm-hmm. uh verse 31 so paul's going on and then verse 31 is most pretty well known he says so kind of to wrap up this text he says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. Yeah. So in that race where I, or on the ball field, I did, I want to win. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing to lose. Yeah. I'm playing to win. So in that sense, the competitiveness is good, mm-hmm. but in the midst of the competition is everything that I'm doing on the ball field, honoring and bringing glory to the Lord. Yeah. And so let's, let's bring it from, professional athletes to us today yeah so both of us play in various beer league mm-hmm. leagues you're yep. pl- you you your season started last night with beer yeah, league as hockey. we're recording this it started last night uh and uh we played to win and didn't <laughs> 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 uh so and we also together we played uh slow pitch uh just out of a little 
beer league here. Along with our intern, Nash, who is sitting here listening to this as we record it. Hi, Nash. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we both play in various beer league leagues. Um, is it okay then for us? Like we're not, I'm believe it or not. And I don't know if everybody in beer league knows this. You're not playing for the Stanley cup or the world series championship. What? I, I know this might be shocking. This is brand news. new information. <laughs> this is shocking news, <laughs> but yet, so there is still a, a trophy at the end mm-hmm. you want to win. So is it okay for someone who bears the name of Christ to be competitive even within the beer league system? Yes or no, and why? Yeah, so I'll give you my take, and then you can give mm-hmm. uh, your take. Um, I would say yes. We Again, building off of what I read there in 1 Corinthians 9, we should play so as to win. Now, so, I'm yeah, I'm playing beer league hockey. We play you know slow pitch in in this like local uh league here with a bunch of community teams and and that's great i'm glad to be part of that we should not the christian should not play with a whatever apathetic loser mentality right because uh that's not how jesus lived his life he was he's he is the victor Mm -hmm. and and uh he did all things with excellence Mm mm-hmm and uh, we're even commended in the Psalms, you know, like when it talks about worshiping the Lord with, with the instruments, play with skill. Mm-hmm. You know, it says in Psalm 30, uh, 133, I think that is. Um, we, we should do all things with, with as much excellent as, as we, excellence as we can. I, I think our witness can be tarnished by laziness and thus untrustworthiness. Mm. Like if I'm on a, on a beer league team and I'm playing with a bunch of guys and I have a meh, whatever attitude. Well, are they going to trust what I have to say on other things? Because they're, I, I want to give him the puck, but I know if I do, he's going to lose it because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't conduct himself with any kind of desire. Mm-hmm. And they, the unregenerate, they're living for this moment. Yeah, they're there to win. That's their focus. Now, it's not my focus, but I should go, okay, if I want to have a witness with these guys mm-hmm. in the locker room afterwards, I need to try to help them win. Mm-hmm. Because then I have a voice to speak to what you know, whatever issues they may have, and they're going to be willing to listen, even if I'm not that good. But they can see I'm trying my my hardest mm-hmm. to help them win. Then they're going to maybe give me a listening ear when I have something of greater importance mm-hmm. to say. So I would say, yeah, we should have a competitive competitive nature, but it's balanced. Yes, and I will get to the balance maybe in a second. But I would say your yeah. your question was, is it okay for us to be competitive? Yeah. In, in even these rec sports. And, and I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to give the balance in a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I'll answer that question. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that comes clear. I got no time to play to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you look at the other team. Uh, so trying to take it into our, like, our slow pitch, because we're, let's mm-hmm. be honest, we're a church team. Right. So everybody on that team, except for maybe a couple, would – claim the name of Christ. So we're, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, in, in your circumstance in the beer league, like you're helping your team win uh, because they're all super competitive and they're playing for this moment. In our context, it's a little bit different, but at right. the, like because everybody yeah. is a believer, uh, but yet at the same time, I want to be known by the other teams in the league that, man, that team works hard. Mm-hmm. They don't give up. They are 
you know, they're trying to win, they're mm-hmm. pushing each other and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that does well for the name of Christ as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that comes out of that competitive desire mm-hmm. uh, to win. Yeah. And so, but you're right. You, there is that balance. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll read, um, and this is, this always hits me. So one time this year, I did throw my glove at the ball diamond. Um, I think you were there for that. Right. So, um, yeah. We were losing and I was, I was pitching. So I was giving up a ton of runs <laughs> and I was frustrated at my play mm. um, because I should have done better. Mm. I should have done better because I know I can do better. All those things. And the inning was over and I chucked my glove against the fence. Mm. Um, and in that moment, Man, the conviction, because mm. I'm like, Matt, what are you doing? A, it's beer league. Yeah. And B, you're not that good to get that mad. <laughs> um, but I think what comes across when we start to lose self-control, mm-hmm. right? So one of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five, he goes through, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just read it here. Yeah. He says, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. So we're not going to dive into all those words, mm-hmm. but notice one of them is fits of anger is mm-hmm. a, uh, is showing the works of the flesh yeah. where self-control is showing the works of the spirit. And yeah. so in that moment, yeah, that was a fit of rage on myself. Mm-hmm. That was a, um, that was not self-control and what the, my team thinks now, right? I'm mad at myself, but the team sees that and they think he's mad at us. Right. right. He's mad at me because I didn't make that play. Mm-hmm. Like I never, I, in my own heart, in my own mind, I can say with all integrity, I'm never mad at my teammates. Right. I'm mad at myself for when I screw up, mm-hmm. but it comes out as he's mad at us because right. I didn't make that. And so that's that balance of my competitiveness. I want to win. Mm-hmm. But now I have lost, uh, I've, I've tarnished some integrity. I've lost control. Mm-hmm. I've not upheld the name of Christ. And now not only is that saying something to my teammates who I now have to pastor in this church, mm-hmm. but it's also the other team is like, well, we do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if there's no difference, yeah. then so, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point. Our, our witness, while, while our witness can be tarnished by our laziness and thus our untrustworthiness mm-hmm. when, we, when we don't play to win, on the flip side, our witness can also be tarnished by, by being like everyone else. Yeah. Like we will never win people to Jesus by being just like them. Like that, that does not happen. That doesn't, doesn't square with the scriptures. At all. Nope. You know, this whole mentality of let's, let's go to the bar and get drunk so that people will relate to us and then we can have a, a testimony. That is completely ludicrous. Absolutely. If if we look just like the world, we will not be. Uh, we will have zero witness with the world. Uh, we are called to be holy, set apart, come out of the world mm-hmm. while being in it. Um, so, yeah, we we won't win people to Jesus 
uh, unless we are more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think part of part of things part of the thing for us um, is that we have to understand our identity over and over and over again. Right. Nash, you're sitting here. You've just come through a week of. Um, uh, classes at Miller, and and one of the things that you were telling us that you were taught is that you need to preach the gospel to your own heart every day, and and that's so true. And the Christian witness, the Christian mm-hmm. testimony, is so much of that. So First Peter two verse nine gives us a sense of our identity. It says, "You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies." of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here's your identity. This is who you are. It says are, present tense. Mm-hmm. You are chosen chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? So that you can proclaim his excellencies in a dark world. Yeah. You, he's called you out of darkness into light, and we need to proclaim that. Yeah. And part of the way we proclaim that is simply how we live. And, uh, you know, Matthew 5 talks about us being uh, salt and light mm-hmm. um, in a dark world, that we illuminate the splendor and beauty of Jesus, uh, and we, we, uh, we show who he is by the way we live our life. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's important for us to maintain that witness. So, yeah, be competitive, and who amongst us, like you mentioned a failure of yours, mm-hmm. I've had the exact same thing too many times to count. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, but it's it, hopefully with us, it, there is sanctification mm-hmm. and we're doing, I, I can say, brother, from when you came here 10 years ago to now, <laughs> the, the growth in you that way is striking mm-hmm. and it's encouraging. Um, and I hope that people will say that about me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to constantly be growing in these things and not content to go, well, I just, you know, the moment got the best of me and shrug our shoulders. Yeah. No, 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 that's a big deal. That's a big deal. You may have tarnished your testimony yep. and you need to, you need to grow in this. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, be competitive, but balance it with the fact that this sport, whatever it is, yeah. that's not your identity. Yeah. That's not who you are. It doesn't define you. Yeah. At least it shouldn't. If it does, that's a problem. That's, that's a whole other issue, yeah. 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 So yelling at refs, yelling at umpires, mm-hmm. um, getting into arguments, stuff mm-hmm. like that, you're not winning anybody for Christ. No. You're, yeah, you've never argued anyone into the kingdom. Yeah, no. It's no. amazing. Yeah. Right? And so finding that balance and working through that is is good. Be competitive. Yeah. Desire to win. Play mm-hmm. your hardest run for that ball, chase mm. that, whatever, yeah. right? Do all for the glory of God, yeah. right? And I don't even think it's wrong, you know, if a ref or an umpire makes a call, mm-hmm. you know, to go and say, can you clarify, like, yeah. why? Yeah. Like, was that pitch? Yeah, it's okay you know, to is ask that those questions. Ask questions in a very respectful yeah. way, yeah. like, because that's okay, yeah. right? But if that umpire makes a call and now I'm running at him, yelling at him, swearing at him because he made a poor call in my judgment, yeah. Well, no, that's you've you've you're no longer in self control, and now it's all about you. And yeah, um, well, what about? And I think this is probably where we're going next. It, you're talking about yelling at refs and umpires and whatever yep. else. What about parents when they're yelling at refs and umpires or coaches or, or coaches <laughs> in their kids' sport? They're trying to help their kids excel. <laughs> is, okay. is that okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the easiest answer you've given. <laughs> I um have the joyful opportunity 
that uh, my son loves sports. Right. Um, he wants to watch sports with me. He wants to play sports. He wants me to coach sports. Like, mm-hmm. so I, uh, and I, I'm thankful for that. So I had the opportunity and will continue to coach my son in baseball until he gets yeah. too good for me to actually coach him anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was coaching him this year. Um, he's eight. Right. Okay. So keep this in mind. Yeah. Uh, the joy of teaching eight-year-olds <laughs> baseball. Now, baseball is my favorite sport. Mm-hmm. I love it. I can watch it all day, every day. But you try to get an eight-year-old to sit in the outfield when no ball is going to come there. They spend 98% of their time eating grasshoppers and chasing butterflies. That's, that is eight-year-old baseball. Okay, You might get one or two kids who like, are in the right position. They want to play. They still can't catch, but they... <laughs> Right, so it's more like herding cats. So that that was my season. Mm-hmm. Now, from where they were to where they ended was great, and I'll mm-hmm. do it again. But in that, we uh, had some parents um, leaning over the fence, like yelling at their kid, not in the right position, not running out mm-hmm. a ball, not making a catch. Like, and I'm like, and you, I it was. It was striking. This one kid I had came up to bat, and uh, they missed about probably 10 pitches in a row. Mm. Um, So we're still in that league where we kind of let them go until they hit the ball. Right, okay. And uh, so they they missed probably eight, nine pitches in a row. And you can see they're already quite defeated because they're like, I should hit this ball. And then I got mom and dad leaning over the fence, yelling at their kid, telling them, elbow up, get down, focus on the ball, like just, and yelling. And I, I, it, it stuck out in my mind where there was this child stops, looks over at them, mm. and then gets back in the batter's box and tears. Mm. I'm like, so I, in fact, that was the one time I actually turned to those parents. I said, knock it off. Mm-hmm. I said, enough. I'm not going to defend your child from you because right. you can't understand that this is eight-year-old yeah. baseball. They're having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you do more harm as a parent yelling at your kid, whether it's baseball, whether it's minor league hockey, which is huge out here. Mm-hmm. You do more damage to your kid yelling at them than you do just letting the coach teach and train and coach and, mm-hmm. and walking them through. Yeah. Um, you're yelling at them, you're crushing them. Yeah. Whether, they, whether you think it or not, yeah. your kid's eight. Yeah. Or 10 or 15. It's striking how many times parents and grandparents. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm a parent myself, so I have to be careful. Yep. You know, look in the mirror. But it's a striking how many times parents and grandparents, without even realizing it, are living vicariously <laughs> through their child or grandchild. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and every parent, oh, I shouldn't say every, maybe that's a too big of a generalization, but many parents, mm-hmm. uh, think that their child is the next whatever whether if it's hockey they're the next you know Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid. if it's soccer they're the next who's it? Ronaldo uh, Pele yeah yeah Pele from <laughs> we're going way back uh, or if it's baseball they're the next Mike Trout or whatever like uh, how many parents think that that their kid's gonna make it and I remember uh, a few people have put it up Dustin Benji and, and Owen mm-hmm. Strack and Stron I, guess, I think this is how you pronounce his name uh, and, and others have put it up that your child in all likelihood 
has like a 0.001% chance of making it as a professional athlete, Mm -hmm. but they have a 100% chance of standing before the Lord God in judgment. Yeah. So what matters more? Yeah. Uh, Your kid is not, uh, if you're listening to this, I hate to burst your bubble. The likelihood of your kid making it is virtually zero. Yeah. But they will stand before the Lord. Yeah. So you got to think about what matters more. Yeah, 100% agree. Now, I think it's okay and good, you know, to kind of what we've talked about, yeah. push your kid to be their best. Sure. Right? Like, sure. Yeah. So a few expectations I even put on our team is, hey, I said, I, I, you're not going to be perfect. We're not keeping score. Mm-hmm. But I, what I want from you is I want to see you guys each working on the things that I've asked you to work on. Mm-hmm. Right? I yeah. want to see you get better in these areas. I want – so and to my kid – I have to watch myself because my competitive nature comes out <laughs> right. vicariously through my kids. So I have to watch, watch out, but I have to be able with my children who are in sports to, to I want to push them mm-hmm. to be there. I want to push them where they need to be pushed. Yeah. Um, simultaneously, I want to encourage when they, when, when my son can finally catch a ball, Right. I remember the first time we were playing catch just on our street and I threw the ball at him and he caught it and he was so excited. <laughs> He's like, dad, I caught it. I can do one of two things. I can be like, yeah, you're supposed to, mm-hmm. or I can rejoice with that too. Yeah. And be like, yep. And I high fived, we hugged, we, yeah. right. Cause he was so excited. I'm like, yeah. you, you need to push your kid, right. To be their best, but to recognize it's just a sport Yeah. and to take yourself and celebrate when your kid wants to celebrate. Yeah. You know, if your kid goes out and scores six goals yeah. and doesn't score on the seventh, yeah. right? Don't point out the fact that he didn't score seven. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah, that's right. Or if he assisted on three and didn't score a goal, man, celebrate the fact that he assisted on three. Like, be, when I was living in Swift Current years ago, um, the Swift Current Broncos, of course, are the, the, the WHL team. It's the smallest market uh, Canadian WHL team or a CHL team. Uh, mm. small, smallest market to have a CHL yeah, yeah. team. And so in Swift Current, because it's a small market, those players are like rock stars in the community. Yeah. Like in Calgary here, the Calgary Hitmen, those guys could probably walk in the middle of the Chinook Mall and no one would recognize them. <laughs> Not uh, a hot clue. But in Swift Current, you're, you are like a celebrity. Hmm. And uh, there was a player when I was there. He was scoring 60-plus goals a season. He was drafted by the Washington Capitals. He was a bona fide rock star hmm. This guy's a lock to make the NHL, and he's playing for the Swift Current Broncos. Yeah. Well, these players are all billeted at uh, various people's homes, and so this this player was billeted at a, a, a lady's uh, home that a la- this lady goes to our church, okay, or went to our church at the time. And and so I check in with her once in a while, like, how's he doing, and mm-hmm. how's what's he, what's he like in the home, whatever else. And she said, you know, it's so crushing because he's a really lovely kid. But his mom and dad lived up, I think it was like North Battleford or something, and they would come down to to watch every home game. And he would score like almost without fail, two or three goals every night. Hmm. Like he was just, it was just a guarantee because that yeah. guy, he was an incredible player. And his parents would sit there with him afterwards. And instead of saying, hey, you did a great job tonight, those, those are some yeah. beautiful goals or whatever they would be like, you could have scored three or four more if you'd have just done this, this, and this. Right. And every game was, and it crushed him. Crushed him. Never played an NHL game. Hmm. Because he was just so demolished yeah. by his by his parents. Yeah. Um, no praise, no, yeah. 
no encouragement. It was just like, mm-hmm. you need to do this better yeah. because again, their whole identity was wrapped up in him being a professional athlete, him being the best athlete. Yeah. Their whole identity was this. For the Christian, it should never be that way. Now, they're a very carnal family, so yeah, yeah. It, sadly, you, you see that often. Yeah. But for the Christian, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be that way. The Christian with their, with their kid, they should be like, you know, hey, do your best. Yeah. And when we can see you've tried, that's awesome. Yeah. And even if you struck out four times, man, you were trying. Hey, did you great. strike out swinging? Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. You know, it should yeah. be totally different because our identity is not in that. Yeah. I remember having a few conversations with my My dad did this really well. Um, I had a few conversations with him after games or whatever on the ride home uh, where he'd ask me kind of two questions. He'd say, one, what do you think you did really well? So we'd go through the game and we'd say, wow. And he would strengthen me and encourage me, you know, yeah, you did whatever mm-hmm. you did well. And then you go, okay, so next game, what can we work on? Mm-hmm. Where do you think you can get better? And yeah. so he, it wasn't a, here's where you sucked. It was, hey, how can, for next game or next practice, what can you work on? Yeah. So that you're pushing, you want, he wanted me to get better, but it was always done in a desire, um, yeah, just to see me mm-hmm. get better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it would never, I never felt crushed by him. Yeah. Uh, I think my dad did that really well. Yeah, that's good. That's super good. Yeah, that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. I, my mind goes to, um, I shouldn't pick favorites because every book in the Bible is awesome. But, <laughs> but sec- you have a favorite? Second Corinthians is my favorite, which is not a common favorite that nope. people have. But Second Corinthians is probably my favorite book of the Bible. It's better than First Corinthians. Second <laughs> <laughs> uh, Corinthians uh, has so much hope for the sufferer hmm. and so much encouragement when you're struggling. If, you, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with something right now, read Second Corinthians. I'm just putting that out there. Yep. But in the course of explaining the gospel and the light of the gospel and the hope that we have in Christ in the midst of trials and difficulties, he's talking in chapter five about um, we, you know, when we, when we die, we go to be in the presence of the Lord. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. We often mm-hmm. hear that verse quoted. Uh, but the very next verse, so this is now verse nine of Second Corinthians five. He says this, so whether we are at home, that is to say here in this world, mm-hmm. or away, that is to say dead and with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So whether we're home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Hmm. So in other words, uh, in, in, like you read from 1 Corinthians, yeah. whatever we do, whether in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. And he's saying essentially the same thing. We make it our aim to please Jesus mm-hmm. all of the time. Mm-hmm. That has to make its way into the sports world for, if we're a Christian. Yeah. Um, so for the believer listening to this, whether it's whether you're thinking about your kids that are playing, your grandkids that are playing, maybe you're playing rec sports, yeah. that should be your governing thought. Yeah. We make it our aim to please him, whether we're home or away. Yeah. We make it our aim to please him all of the time. Um, let that govern your thinking. Is what I'm doing right now pleasing the Lord? Yeah. And you'll have a pretty good idea. If you're a believer, you should know pretty quick <laughs> yeah. whether what I'm saying, what I'm doing is pleasing the Lord or you know, bringing reproach on his name. Yeah. Um, so uh, if I could be uh, so bold as to challenge the listeners with that, yeah. I challenge my own heart with that. Yeah. Make it our aim to please him at yeah. all times in every realm and all that we do. And I think coming, just wrapping it up, um, that's a good place to end it. When we screw up, uh, when we fail, uh, love the fact that there's forgiveness at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. To be yeah. like, yep, yeah, I screwed up, and I'm sorry for bringing reproach on your name. Yeah. 
uh, help me to do better next time because yeah. I'm going to find myself in a competitive situation again. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm playing rec sports or watching my kid, yeah. Um, you know, my prayer going into games, going into whatever is help me honor you mm-hmm. today. And so when you screw up, ask forgiveness and move on. Yeah, yeah, so. that's right. Amen to that. Excellent. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Arena. We want to thank Jason Hofer for all of our music and editing of the podcast. If there are any topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach us. Email arenapodcast at hotmail.com or Twitter at arenapodcast1 and Instagram thearena.podcast. Once again, we want to thank you for stepping into The Arena.